Welcome everyone to the virtual coffee break with the MSU Extension Dairy Team. I'm your host, Martin Mangual from Michigan State University Extension. I'm very excited for this week's episode as I got the opportunity to have a conversation with Krista Harden, the current president and CEO of the U.S. Dairy Export Council. We talked about trends, lessons learned, and upcoming opportunities regarding our place in the global markets. Let's get started. I'm joined today by Christo Harden, President and CEO of the U.S. Dairy Export Council. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much. I appreciate being a part of your podcast. This is going to be fun. It is going to be fun. So to get started, I know many of our producers are aware of who you are and what you do, but for those that are not, who is Christo Harden and where did the passion for dairy came from? Well, thank you so much. You know, I, I always start uh, my introductions by explaining that I'm the daughter of farmers, but it's peanut farmers from Georgia, um, not from dairy, but I've been in food and agriculture all of my life in my career. And we've been very excited um, to join the dairy industry a few years ago when I went to Dairy Management Inc., our kind of parent company of U.S. DEC and our biggest member and funder representing all the farmers. Um, thank you, all of you, for what you do. To lead the global environmental strategy for the dairy industry and was wooed, I'll say, by Secretary Vilsack, who was then the president and CEO of U.S. Um, dairy Export Council, to be his chief operating officer, which I was very excited to do and really get involved in export side of our business. And when he left to return to the Biden administration, I was asked to move up to be president and CEO. So I'm fairly new to dairy, but in working in policy and agriculture my whole career, I'm certainly very much aware of this industry and its leadership in agriculture. Interestingly, I always tell everybody that I also grew up on a farm and he had everything but dairy, which is <laughs> interestingly what I've been developed as an educator. So I tell people <laughs> that I do dairy because I did chores for everything else. So that's why uh, I, I love it. I love that, it. Yes. But dairy, you know, it kind of hooks you in and best people in the world are, are dairy people. And um, I love I love the industry. I love working in it. Definitely very good producers, especially in our country that are really yes. producing very high quality product. Could you briefly describe the road that took you to the CEO of the DEC? Yeah. And, and, and I mentioned, you know, joining Dairy really to help them develop their global environmental strategy, looking at sustainability and the key role that sustainability is going to play, does play today, but also as, as a global supplier. Our customers, the ultimate customer, the consumer is very interested not only in the nutritional value, the kind of halo effect we say in dairy, but also how the food is produced. So I really joined DMI at the time and several years ago to help, you know, really flush out what that means for our industry, what kind of goals we should set, how do we push ourselves. We're great stewards. That's one thing I'm very proud of in dairy is that commitment to the environment. Well, you know, we always say good for people and good for planet, and they live that every day. And that's something that's just so positive. So that really was my entree into this industry. And then when I came over to U.S. DEC, I have had an international background from other work and experiences in agriculture. So it was just a great fit for me to be here helping to 
lead the effort to grow our exports, build those markets around the world. So I'm very excited to be now at the top as president and CEO, but there's a wonderful team around me, um, not only staff in the U.S., but we have staff around the world as well and nine or 10 offices and strategic locations that we're collectively working together to build these markets to grow and expand and help the, the U.S. dairy industry and the rest of the world know, you know, our secret about how good U.S. dairy really is. Definitely, we have a very good crop of producers that are doing great work out there. What is the current state of our dairy export and how is the U.S. dairy market perceived globally? Well, first, I'll just say it's growing. You know, when U.S. DEC was established by dairy farmers and other partners 27 years ago, we were exporting 2 to 4% of what we produce in the U.S. Not only has production grown, our farmers are very efficient and very productive, exports percentage of that production being exported has grown as well. We're around 18% of U.S. production right now is exported in a variety of number of products. I'm sure we'll get into that and, and the markets they're going to. And this year, in spite of a really, really tough time, a lot of headwinds for our industry, things that farmers know right, you know, know themselves at home, like inflation, recovery from COVID, also our shipping issues, you know, supply chain really throughout the system all those headwinds, we're still growing our exports, which has been very exciting. We're between 3 and 4% growth in volume and around 26% in value. Again, just reminding everyone um, that in spite of it being really tough times in the marketplace, we're still growing. And that says a lot to me about the future of this industry. Now that much of the world has figured out how to operate with the coronavirus being part of daily life, could you reflect on the impact of the pandemic on global markets and if there are new trends that are here to stay? And I know you have touched on a little bit on those supply chain disruptions that we okay. just experienced. But additionally from that, any other trends that are here to stay? Well, certainly. And I'll say that the recovery is uneven. Um, I think the U.S., we're maybe ahead of much of the world. We had vaccinations very early. A larger percentage of our populations had access to vaccinations than in some countries and countries where we export around the world. China comes to mind first. Just yesterday, a major port in China was closed again because they have a zero tolerance for COVID. So while we you know, feel really comfortable here where we are in our recovery, not all of the world is in the same place. And that has really caused a lot of difficulties in exporting. Our exports to China are down, and that's one of the reasons. There are others. But that is, you know, a major market in the past, and they're still dealing with recovery. A lot of our big markets had a slower recovery. Food service was an issue, you know, people eating out, feeling comfortable going out. All the kind of issues that we, you know, wrestled with here, the rest of the world took longer in many cases to recover. I will say, and I travel a lot. I just came back from Egypt on a couple of days ago. I do see the world really kind of getting back in a normal rhythm, but I also see changes that are probably here to stay. Home delivery. Any major city in the world is full of bikes and scooters and cars with little boxes on them delivering food. I mean, that is just something, whether it's your groceries in many cases or prepared foods. So I think we have to recognize how people get their foods, even, you know, in, in Capitals around the world, that is definitely has changed. And I don't see us going back to that. 
But then on the other side, there's definitely people who are eating in home, you know, back family meals became popular again. How I grew up, frankly, on our family farm with families gathering around tables, having specialties, having cultural favorites, you know, really that comfort food, those kinds of things you certainly saw baking again became popular. But will those trends last? That will be very interesting to see if they do. But clearly the world thinks differently. Um, the shipping issues, the supply chain, I think the problems we had showed our vulnerabilities in the U.S. And I think, you know, lessons learned from the pandemic is, you know, how do we deal with these kind of major issues, whether they're regional and they're climate-based with, you know, severe storms or, you know, outbreaks of problems or the whole globe, like we saw with COVID. I think we're going to have to be more nimble, more flexible more diverse in how we approach the marketplace. I also agree that besides learning how to adjust to the actual coronavirus, we also learn how to react to when different things like this mm -hmm. can disrupt the market. So not only we learn how to deal with a specific disease, but also how to adjust when we have to on the run, find homes for a product or on the right. run, find how do we regulate production in a way to make sure that we're using all that we're producing. So I think there was a, a hard, I guess, course that yeah. we took for all the better part of two and a half years. There were some tough lessons we had to learn, but I will say about this industry, the resiliency of the U.S. dairy industry has to be commended. There was concern when the U.S. shut down, right? And 80% at least of our product, you know, stays domestically. We had a few hiccups early on, but we, you know, we changed very quickly. We started dealing with the situations that were put before us as an industry, and I think we'd be commended um, how quickly we responded to a changing environment and supply chain and customer needs. And I said we did that globally as well. We actually had to shift. And I think it's very important for your listeners to think about Mexico is our biggest market. And Mexico had a really, really tough time during COVID. If we had only Mexico is our market, we would have been in a very dire situation for exports. Instead, this industry has had the vision to invest in other markets around the world, Southeast Asia, the Middle East, other parts of the Americas. So we shifted supply to the places that needed it, wanted and could use it. And it helped us grow exports during COVID. So I think that is the resilience, the flexibility, being nimble, looking at what products are needed, where, when. And I think that's a very valuable lesson. We learned that we can do that and we did it pretty successfully. I agree as well. I know we just touched on a big disease that brought a lot of tension to the world, but as we passed along, there's new challenges that now arise. So how does current tensions around the globe impact dairy markets? Well, they, they clearly do. They impact all of us. We're a small world when you think about it. The issues with the Russia's invasion of Ukraine, while not directly impacted us because we did not export to either country, certainly put a real strain on energy, on inputs like fertilizer, other issues that trickle through the entire world and certainly in agriculture, you know, it very much makes a big difference for those those inputs for our farmers and those costs. Not on the front line, let's say Europe is, but certainly does impact us. The concern of a food insecurity also raises an issue for all of us as well. 
those are the kinds of issues that really do make a big difference. And so there's resolutions of these type issues, their problems. We also deal with geopolitical issues with China. I mentioned China early, earlier about its recovery, but there are also geopolitical um, issues that agriculture seems to get caught in the crosshairs, if you will, often during these kinds of issues. Again, we're a global player. We're a member of an international food system. So any of these problems certainly do impact our farmers and our production. I know based on when you're watching, especially global markets, there's a lot of planning for long trends and things that might be coming down the pipe that we want to capitalize on and be ready for when they come. But in the short term, what are some short term things to watch out for trends and how should the dairy producers plan or adjust to these new trends that are rising up? Yeah, I think it's a very good question. And the first one that comes to mind is a strong dollar, which, you know, is good in some ways, but obviously in countries who their purchasing power does not go as far when they're trying to buy U.S. products, that is something that we have to be aware of. Europe has increased in its production again, so that competition with Europe in the short term, I don't think that's a long-term issue, but certainly in the short term, we have to be aware of what's happening in Europe. So we, we do have competition. And, you know, you know, we're getting the supply chain issues worked out, those kinds of things. We've put some Band-Aids on and they're better right now. But over time, short and midterm, I think we're certainly going to have to make sure we're paying attention to that. So it's, you know, how we react to the recovery. How do we deal with some of these changes? And just being aware of what's happened globally, that, you know, no matter what we're doing in the U.S., our exports do depend on what's happening around the world. I know at least here in the U.S., we are done with some midterm elections, mm -hmm. but is there any upcoming legislation that we need to keep an eye on that will have an impact on U.S. dairy markets? Certainly, you know, um, the Farm Bill is, is will be ramping up in 2023. That is not something we work only on the trade title of that and not with checkup dollars. I remind all of our farmers that we do have member companies that were able to use their funds for advocacy and um, non-checkoff activities. We keep a real bright line between those those efforts. I mean, we have a sister organization, the Nav National Milk um, Producers Federation is also an organization that takes the lead on the domestic side of policy. So we work hand in hand with, with National Milk. We actually are co-located in, in the same building. So we, we can talk very frequently but the, the trade title is very important. There are some tools in that that are authorized in the Farm Bill that are very important for us. Foreign Market Development, Market Access Program, FMD and MAP, the, probably the acronyms that farmers might recognize. We get around $7, $8 million through those programs annually combined. And that is dollars that we leverage farmer dollars and member dollars to do marketing in, in very critical markets. So we need those programs to be authorized at the highest level. I think I, I was bold this summer testifying before Congress and asked for a doubling of those programs. I doubt we'll get that, but you have to ask or you'll never get it. But we have bipartisan support in Congress from great dairy states, including Michigan. And you know we will be making sure that those programs are, are included in the Farm Bill. Um, certainly Senator Stabenow is chairperson of the House of the Senate Ag Committee, a close ally to us and certainly to the dairy industry. We keep putting um, bugs in her ear about the, the trade title, that's for sure. I know Senator Stabenow is from here, from Michigan, very present in the farming community. So I know that we can also play our part, having our producers 
make sure that they're also heard. So we ask that our producers also send some bucks to her ear to make sure that these things that are really important for our industry get done. That's a great plug. And I think it's so important. I, I do admire the producers in your state and in other states as well that listen to your podcast for their commitment to making sure that all elected officials are aware of what's happening in, in their own dairies, their own communities, um, and how legislation and policies impact, hopefully in a positive way. Senator Stabenow is a great friend. She's a personal friend. I enjoy her very much. And she's feisty, boy. She'll fight for you. I'll say that. And she she loves dairy. You mentioned that through her hard work, our exports have been growing continually. <laughs> but in the next five years, how do you envision this potential for growth? And is there any new product changes that are needed to maintain that increase in exports? Well, yeah, I always say when I'm talking um, to um, leaders in the industry, including our farmers, it's really up to us where, where we go from here. The market is, is there is demand for our products, many of our products. There's building awareness of how the high value of U.S. dairy and dairy products. So it's whether we meet those demands, whether we you know, continue to focus on what products that specific markets want, that we are not just sending what we want to send them, but what culturally makes sense for their diet and their needs. We complement and augment, in many cases, local production. So we work with farmers often in other countries to grow demand for all of dairy. Populations are out um, outpacing dairy production in many, many large countries. And so there is a need for products from other sources. We want to be that supplier. We're about number three right now in the world um, supplier. Europe and New Zealand uh, export more than we do, but they, they're kind of plateauing in their production. We have the ability to grow and want to make sure that we take advantage of that if, if at all possible. We're productive, we're efficient, we have great products, there is demand. You know, the things we have to be aware of is there are other producing countries. I mentioned you know, two big regions, New Zealand and Europe. There are smaller dairy producing countries that are also interested in exports. And then there's also the alternatives, the plant-based products. So there's a lot of opportunity ahead, but it's not a given. You know, you have to fight for these markets. You have to want them. You have to work them. You have to be there and invested with your customers. And I, I believe our industry wants to do that. I see that in the numbers every year, and the focus on exports. So I'm excited about the opportunities. And I, I believe we'll seize the day, if you will, and take advantage of the, these opportunities. I don't want to take anything away from our global partners of Europe and New Zealand, but I really want to commend our work here as we have most likely an increasing demand at home, but we are still able to produce enough to also export in a big way and have that also been a big impact in our industry out here at home. Oh, most definitely. You know, the domestic market is a driver for U.S. dairy and, and it always will be. But our population is kind of plateaued. We're not growing by great numbers like other countries in the world. So even if we are, you know, we're already in 96 or so percentage of households in the U.S., that's a huge number. But if those households are not increasing in number, how much more can we grow? And those are questions we wrestle with. We want to make sure that we have every generation learn about the benefits of dairy. So we keep that, that number moving up. But we also have a food insecure world that needs nourishing. And it's not just food. We talk about feeding the world. I don't say that anymore. I talk about nourishing the world. It's not just calories. It's high value calories. 
that comes from dairy and dairy products. And we are, you know, in my mind, sitting on a gold mine because we have those products and we're the best farmers in the world. I would, I say that around the world with, with no shame. And I know the products that they're producing can certainly make a difference in so many lives around the world. And I hope we're able to, to, to do that. And definitely not only we are leading or setting a good example for production, but also milk quality. I think the quality of our product is very high standard, what we try to maintain and producers do a great work to maintain those high standards. So then our job sometimes becomes easier, I guess, where the producer are making such an effort to maintain a high quality product and add a volume that allow us some flexibility and some opportunities to capitalize on those as well. Yes, most definitely. I mean, it, it it is it is very easy to go to any international meeting or capital or meet with a customer and talk about U.S. dairy. I mean, it you know it's with great pride. Um, it is great with great certainty. Um, when I talk about our high quality, our commitment to the best products in the world, but also how they're produced, our commitment to sustainability, animal care, workforce issues. The entire gambit of who we are as an industry, it's pretty easy to brag on us. And I'm not ashamed to do it. And I'm not ashamed to go head to head with any of our competitors either. And I do so all the time. I, I, you know, have suitcase, will travel. I'm around the world talking about um, our great products and introducing them sometimes to, to brand new consumers. And it's an easy product to sell. And I'm going to join you there. I'm also very proud to be working for our industry here. At Good. What are your goals and vision of the U.S. dairy impact around the globe? You know, our goals are truly to, to meet the consumer with what they need. Um, we, you know, we know and understand the U.S. consumer probably better than we do folks in other markets. So we have people on the ground, boots on the ground, pumps on the ground, whatever you want to call it. In country, listening to consumers there about what kind of products they want and need to have a healthy, nutritious diet. Another trend I think that came out of COVID when we were talking about earlier, I missed this one, but it's this focus on health and wellness, being you know more um, conscious about what we're eating, our diet, our exercise. I think that is something a trend around the world we've seen, and dairy can help play a part of that. A lot of our ingredients go into smoothies and health bars and other kind of healthy, considered healthy diet, um, nutritious items. And those are a growing area for us because the dairy protein is, is just so valuable. So I really think, well, you know, the more we talk to consumers around the world and customers around the world, the more our products can be shaped to meet those dietary needs and guidelines, as well as just cultural taste as well. Do you have any final words for our dairy producers? And what can we as producers in the U.S. do to support your work with the export market? Well, first I'll say thank you. Again, um, the dairy farmers are our largest funder. They recognize that we have a great opportunity around the world. Uh, we're not going to be the best kept secret. We're going to make sure that consumers in all corners of, of the globe are aware of this nutritious product that we produce here. Our farmers are efficient. They are productive. They make investments in good research and good farming practices and animal care. They are committed to you know, really producing the finest products in the world, and the world needs them. The world wants them. And for us to be able to grow, 
in, in our industry to be able to keep farmers on the farm. And if anything motivates me, anything in the world, it's that, to make sure farmers have the ability to stay on that farm if they want to, and for the next generation to come back to that farm and to see hope and excitement about growing their own operations, raising their families in those communities. That is so critical to who we are in agriculture and certainly dairy specifically. So creating an exciting new market, being looking outward, looking beyond our own borders to other communities around the world, knowing we can help nourish somebody else's family. I think that's that's what we're about. It's neighbor to neighbor, whether, you know, maybe neighbor in a, in a different kind of sense than we think about it. So I would just encourage our dairy farmers, our dairy community to stay focused, stay excited about what we're doing, knowing you're appreciated, you're valued. The rest of the world is learning what we've known at home a long time, that you're the best. So just hang in there and keep doing what you're doing. And we're going to help build markets, educate consumers and help nourish part of the world. I appreciate your time and definitely after talking with you for this little bit, I feel very comfortable that we have a great <laughs> defender and a great ally that we're putting out to our neighbors uh, in the planet. So thank you for your time. Thank and you. We just wish you a lot of luck and we wish you the best on this role as you're kind of the face of the U.S. dairy markets around the globe. Thank you. Well, happy to do it. Happy Thanksgiving and thank you for this opportunity and we'll, we'll talk again, I hope. I hope so too. Thank you very All much. Right. Take care. Once again, I thank Krista and her team for the great work they do and for making this episode possible. As I mentioned in the episode, we produce a nutritious and high-quality product, so I'm glad we get to share that with the world. Join us next week when Dr. Victor Malaco interviews Dr. Camille Laggi, Extension Specialist from Cornell University, and Murilo Calvalio from Holstein, Canada. They will have a conversation regarding desirable traits for dairy cows milked in automatic milking systems. I hope you'll join us then.